This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Dembele on 101.9 High FM. Hello, hello everyone and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Dembele. As always, I'm delighted to be in your midst as we, you know, probe difficult uh, issues that are, that are, you know, facing the country as it were. Um, you know, we, we know that, you know, South Africa as it were, it, it's, 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 it's Definitely a beautiful place to be, but we are never ever out of um, you know interesting issues. Um, it, it's a very complex environment that we live in. Uh, every day, it's, it's it's never boring. But let me not uh, take much of your time in terms of those issues that we all know of. Uh, let me get this you know get this opportunity to personally thank Mandy, uh, Simon, uh, DJ Flo, Zanati, and of course uh, Katie Kayla who have graced the airways for the past couple of. Hours, and I sincerely hope that they have done a sterling job as they always do. Moving on swiftly, I hope uh, you know you've had you enjoyed you well, basically enjoyed our conversation a week before last because I, I sincerely want to apologize. Last week we were not able to to come through uh, due to factors or issues beyond our control. Nonetheless, I sincerely hope that the the, the conversation that that we've had a prior week have. Uh, kept you captivated. Uh, I will. I want to really welcome your thoughts tonight, as always. Um, our SMS line is three four five one nine. Our you know Telegram number is o one six eight nine five one zero one nine. And and of course, I'm available on my email address. My name is, my email is Nimrod at 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 Um One of the issues that perhaps maybe you know I want to kick off the conversation with um, as we are getting ready for our our guest tonight, uh, we've got Brenda Carley, who is the CEO of uh, Conscious Companies. She'll be coming through, um, you know, to give us a sense of uh, what Conscious Companies is all about and what um, um, she has been working on. For I believe that there are a lot of issues that, um, you know, interesting issues that she's been working on. Maybe take this chance to welcome my institute guest, uh, uh, who has become a known voice in the studio. Uh, his name is Khepe Mahal um, Khepe. Uh, Moremi. Uh, good evening and uh, welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let me take this opportunity to indulge my insurer guest here in Tatehepo Moremi to, to, to get a, a, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot, obviously. Sure, sure. You know, and, and it's quite important for, 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 for us to, while we still get in the line, you know, conscious companies, uh, or consciousness in leadership, uh, for me, it, it's something that transcends academia. There's a co- positive correlation between he who is conscious about his or her own act, uh, and and how consciousness, if it's well defined in terms of the organizational ethos, is able to drive bottom line. What what do you mean to take on that? Yeah, th- thank you, uh, Dr. Nimrod. Yeah, um, look, I mean, I think a good starting point is. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, there's been a movement, a shift away from, you know, in the corporate world, from, you know, pure focus on shareholder value to stakeholder value. And with that, uh, there's been quite a few initiatives. But I think the most uh, striking one and the most, um, you know, notable um, action uh, happened, I think, in, in August sometime in the U.S., um, 181 CEO, CEOs of uh, the largest companies in the world uh, came together and issued what they called the Statement of Purpose. And in the Statement of Purpose, basically, they sort of um, uh, committed uh, their companies and the corporate world to focusing more on 
the things that make a difference uh, beyond just uh, you know the the, the funds uh, of shareholders, but focus on society, on community, and I think that's a big initiative and a step in the right direction. Um, the but the issue you know with most of these things is that uh, you know we need to see. We need to move beyond just a, stat- a statement of purpose to seeing actual translation of the the intention into day-to-day, um, you know, life, day-to-day impact. Um, you know, in in the organisations that uh, those CEOs um, manage, but beyond that, um, this is something that um, you know goes beyond the corporate world into government, uh, non-governmental organisations. So. And I think the essence of all of this, these things is that um, we need to think beyond short-termism. We need to think beyond just uh, living for today or doing things just for today or tomorrow, but think about the long term. So wherever you are, whether you're running a small organization or big organization, whether it's a small community or big community, it's about doing things today, but with an eye about tomorrow and the day after. Um, it's about sustainability. It's about uh, the fact that whatever I do today, I must be conscious that, um, you know, I must leave the world a better place. But, um, you know, more, more, more importantly as well, uh, you know, I must make sure that I meet my needs today and meet the needs of my immediate, um, you know, stakeholders without compromising the needs um, you know, of future generations. For me, that's, that's the most critical bit. Um, the move away from short-termism, the okay. move away from, you know, understand the uh, the concept of bounded rationality. But that, the, for me, that's really the essence. I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Maremi. You know, one of the things that perhaps maybe is quite important for us to locate the conversation around conscious leadership, it is the state of affairs of the countries it were. I mean, we would not be talking of the state capture. Uh, if there were, if, if conscious leadership was, uh, embedded. We're not be talking of the shenanigans I've seen in ESCOM. We notice, we'll not talk about the shenanigans I've seen in VBS. And all the corporate scandals that we have known of, mm-hmm. had we had a sense of consciousness in terms of the actions that we are doing as a, as, as, as business community. Um, I, I, in that way, that, that, that path maybe begins to, um, create a picture as to, what is it that we need? What is that we ought to be doing differently? Uh, you know, to to contextualize consciousness, uh, in as far as the business strategies is concerned, and all the kinds of deals that we 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 working on, because because how the time people miss, you know, take this thing as an academic exercise, yeah. and I don't think it's an academic exercise. Yeah. Uh, on that note, maybe let's just pause, and Brenda is ready for us. Brenda, hi, good evening, and welcome. Hi, Namrod. Um, um, how are you, ma'am? Good Hi. evening. Thank you very much, and thanks for thanks for joining us, Brenda. Even though the line is not great, but uh, hopefully this time around we'll be able to 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 take the conversation a bit further. Um, you know, we, you're one of the thought leaders um, in the country around conscious leadership. Can you perhaps maybe take the listeners into your confidence as to how you conceive the notion of conscious leadership, as it were? And why was and why was so important for you? Well, conscious companies were born four years ago, and just we needed a paradigm shift in this country against the backdrop of what's happening, um, just in terms of the companies and 
I went with Professor Mervyn King, who's supposed to be the guru of global governance, and I said, King Falls has a gap. It's a, it's become a tick box exercise, and if a human being is not conscious and doesn't understand consciousness, there's no way he can have ethics or governance as part of his DNA. And that's how this whole movement has gained so much attraction. You know, uh, very few people think that consciousness is a some pie in the sky esoteric concept. And it isn't. It's as tangible as one's breath. You know, Nimrod, we go about our daily business totally unaware of one's breath. And so too is consciousness. It really exists beyond the threshold of one's awareness. And the Dalai Lama sent us a letter for the, uh, for the Conscious Leadership and Ethics Summit, which is happening on October 3rd. And he calls out for care, compassion, and kindness. Now, what do we understand by care and compassion? And, you know, I just want to expand that. So the difference between a doctor who cuts the patient and a murderer who cuts his victim, the difference is care and compassion. And consciousness is not something that you can read up or research. It is what you have. It's being alive to the deepest dimensions of your mind. And the, the summit is a call, it's a clarion call uh, to change the paradigm in this country. Uh, because I always believe that conscious leaders shape conscious companies and organizations. And where we are at the moment, we really need that shift. Brenda, your line is, is terrible. I'm sorry, we're going to have to let it go because we can barely hear you. Nonetheless, thank you very much for your insight. And perhaps maybe we would uh, get an opportunity at some point to have a one-on-one with you because we believe the issues that you are bringing or the issues that you're talking about are of critical importance. I'm sorry, we're going to have to let it go because um, um, the line is, is terrible. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Brenda. That's Brenda, the CEO of Conscious Leadership. Unfortunately, she could not be with us. Uh, however, the the land um, the landline or mobile line that she's using has has sort of disappointed us. But, but be that as may, we need to mo- move uh, uh, you know forward. One of the things that she you know she spoke about. Um, Dr. Maremi, as, as you are listening, is the fact that, you know, consciousness is not, is not just something that sits or is on the pine in the sky. It is quite integral part of the DNA of every single organization, which means all the CEOs, all the executives, let's just put it this way, all the C-suites ought to have some kind of consciousness. And we can't talk of consciousness from a leadership point of view until we talk of inclusivity, until we address the, the, the real issues that are challenging, you know, the, the, the economy as it were. So, so on a, on a, based, on, based on what she you know, articulated in a very uh, uh, short time frame, those are, those are the issues that I could pick up. Perhaps maybe this gives us an opportunity to thresh out, uh, as it were, what are some of the critical issues that, um, you know, all the business leaders need to be cognizant of as a way of painting a picture or as a way of living the values which are supposedly incongruent with conscious leadership. On that note, I'm going to welcome, um, you know, uh, Eric Stillerman, uh, who have just joined us, a regular voice to the show. Uh, um, um, Eric, welcome and wel- welcome Thank to you the very show. Much, Thanks. Hi, KP. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you too. No, yeah. What's your take, uh, and uh, Tumarin, on, on, on Brenda's issue? Yeah, so I mean, my take out from what, uh, what she mentioned is the issue of compassion. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, compassion as a concept, um, you know, has to be directed. Uh, and I think the issue is where do you direct it to? Um, and I, I you know, from, from uh, what, what I've, you know, picked up over the past couple of years, uh, as mentioned earlier, there, there's been quite a few shifts. I mean, especially in the corporate sector. Uh, I think the one big shift that you know is well known all over the world is ESG, uh, focus on environment, uh, social issues, and governance. Um, you know, even I mean, I think some of the the biggest professors, well-known professors, Ma- uh, Michael Potter, um, you know, at Harvard B- uh, Business School, um, has been writing about this and advocating this quite a lot. The shift away from you know, just compassion about shareholder value to compassion about uh, broader broader things in society, Um, communities that we live in, uh, their livelihood, their well-being, um, you know, uh, the compassion for the environment, um, and also the need to sort of address some of the, um, you know, call it the the market failures, um, you know, market uh, market failures in society, whether those be the provision of public goods, um, you know, in whatever form, whether it's uh, providing safety and security for, you know, the vulnerable, whether it's, um, you know, protecting the the environment itself. So it's a a very critical uh, element, um, not only in South Africa, but globally, but more so in South Africa. Uh, given some of the challenges that we're facing, when you look at the issue of unemployment, especially unemployment of youth, when you look at uh, safety and, and security issues, I mean, the Minister of Police uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually last week, I think, uh, they released the uh, crime statistics. So I, I suspect that, um, you know, compassion in, in our case has to be fairly focused and targeted. You know, how do we deal with safety and security issues uh, for the vulnerable, for the, uh, for, for children, uh, for girls, uh, for women? Uh, you know, how do we deal with issues around unemployment? I know that there's quite a few, uh, you know, uh, initiatives already, um, you know, in that, in, in that world. But uh, the bottom line is that everything that we do from a conscious leadership point of view has to be fairly targeted. I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Mremi, um, for the very simple reasons that, um, you know, we, we, we need to be in a position to contextualize the conversation. Consciousness is all about the, what I refer to as integrated thought process. Uh, because, and we, we, you know, business is not an island. Business operate in the communities wherein there are issues around inequality, poverty, uh, and unemployment. So, so, so that, that, that is an issue that from a values point of view, I think that perhaps maybe, uh, you know, Brenda's uh, thought process comes, comes in. And how do we address, uh, uh, issues around unemployment? How do we, from a compassionate point of view, from a, you know, a, a integrated point of view, how do we, when confronted with issues around the bottom line, I mean, I'm sure Eric has, might have a different view here, uh, you know, when you're confronted with the bottom line, one might say, look, compassion does not pay my bills. You know, we have seen in most instances companies that are faced with, you know, uh, bottom line issues often, you know, get rid of critical, well, not so much critical, but stuff around marketing and communication and so on and so forth because uh, areas which are considered not to be at core. 
you know, you focus, you know, on core business. But you realize that um, that may not be necessarily the solution. But what is the solution? Uh, shareholders are expecting their money back, you know. So, you know, inasmuch as you can't just say be, be compassionate, business is business. There's got to be certain um, expectations which, which, which makes business sustainable. I don't know what your take would that be, um, you know, Eric. Good evening. Thanks, uh, Nimrod. Um, I'm going to put a, a devil's advocate perspective into this discussion and uh, put a challenge as to how reality, how to test reality with real businesses um, in the real world confronted by real critical problems that they're facing in business, like we are of, of a terrible economy of violence, of corruption, of crime, um, we're talking South Africa, okay. So within that context, where does this so-called conscious le- uh, companies leadership philosophy, you know, idealism about people, planet, profits? We got to worry about everyone and broader stakeholder interests. You know, on the other hand, you get the you know integrated um, uh, fi- uh, uh, company reports which one needs to comply with, and you get companies paying highly paid consultants to come and tick the boxes. And, you know, some of the companies that have been spectacular failures, like Steinhoff, if you'd gone through their integrated annual report, including their sustainability report and all of the environmental sustainability people issues, they would have ticked all the boxes. And yet they were crooking the books. So... When you look at the discussions we've been having the last few weeks with uh, um, Busi, who came in to talk last two weeks ago about the role of business and how do you mobilize business even to participate in the economic turnaround that that we need in this country, BLSA, BUSA, the, the, the formal organized business um, uh, entities in this country, they're reluctant to even participate in core business issues beyond their own company. And they take behind closed doors private investment decisions which would say our investment appetite is very low in South Africa and we'll move money offshore. So my question then is, you know, how do you actually mobilize and integrate, reconcile real tough business environmental issues with some kind of broader interest? Where do you start? How do you make it work in reality? Those, those are the questions I'm asking myself and us to discuss. You know, it's quite interesting that you raised this. In fact, I, was, I wasn't expecting anything less from me. <laughs> you weren't expecting anything less. <laughs> you know, um, but, but the reality is that, um, you know, the, the whole consciousness leadership yeah. It is in context. Yeah. Um, it is not something that, that, that is a pie in the sky in a way because in as much as business are located and are faced with real issues, there, there are different ways in which we can address the bottom line. I mean, for an example, I mean, I, I'm not a proponent of tick box. I know in the integrated reporting, which I happen to be privileged to be part of. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, 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 and I've seen a number of, of reports that have come through before me um, as, as, as a judge. 
But one of the things that I can't take away from this Rikana report is the authenticity of leadership. In my view, people are quite authentic. People are committed to make, you know, uh, hard decisions around how do we integrate or how do you reconcile um, softer issues with, with, with hard issues. You know, so that for me, it's not, it's not something that is, you know, I can tell you, it's not easy being an executive in this day and age because shareholders are screaming, what, what, what is the bottom line? Mm. You having to juggle between the shoulder expectation and the community expectations. Sure. Money, you're running a business. Mm. So these are very difficult conversations. Right. And I don't have all the answers. And I don't think conscious leadership, uh, it, 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 it's a silver bullet, as it were. It, it, it has to be understood within the broader socioeconomic framework that we find ourselves in. Yeah, look, I mean, let, let me chip in. I mean, I think, um, you know, Eric uh, mentions some very interesting points. Um, but I think at this point, I think we're beyond debate. Uh, we're beyond debate because um, depending on how you look at it, if you look at it uh, from an ESG point of view, that's now a given. That's now part of doing business. Everywhere in the world, uh, pretty much, I think it's mostly the Americans who are lagging behind, um, you know, uh, from, from an ESG point of view. But I think pretty much everywhere, um, everybody has embraced the, this whole issue of ESG. You've got all sorts of screens. Um, you know, most of the uh, uh, asset managers um, are using investment screens to screen out those companies that don't comply with ESG. I think um, the issue is more about, you know, I mean, whether conscious leadership, it's a different um, it's a different concept from what is already being being um, implemented or not. But my suspicion is that actually it sort of fits in with what what is already there. So it's not a big deal uh, per se. Um, I think the issue is basically beyond what people are already reporting on, beyond what people are already focusing on, what new element is conscious le- uh, leadership bringing in. If it's basically integrating the needs of society and the needs of business, I think we're already far into, into, into that shift. Um, so it's not, it's not something new. It's already being, I mean, apart from your smaller companies, mm. you know, your lower mid-market companies and mid-market companies where, you know, um, companies are not as uh, well-resourced to be able to factor in some of these issues. But I think the big companies, the JSC-listed companies, already this is a, this, this part of doing business. But but I'm gonna put a spin in the works. Um, that 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 assumption may not necessarily hold. Uh, for example, he made a very classical example with the uh, with the VBS. He made a classical example with Stanhoff. Right. Um, Stanhoff would would fit in that category of the top forty and so on and so forth. That has already been there, and yet the rot was just insurmountable. So 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 so. At one level, at the theoretical level, we ought ought to be there. But in practical terms, we're still lagging behind. I think, you know, Brenda's claim, it, it is that very nature that, that as a face value, we all have to be, we all seem to be talking the same language. I mean, you're referring to ESGs, you know, uh, you know, environmental, social, and, and, and those kind of issues. At the face value, we all have to be there. But in practical terms, where are we? Well, that's what I let me refer to the devil's advocate perspective to say, you know, the, 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 the kind of tick box exercises that companies do and employ consultants to do on their behalf. If you kind of analyze what even big corporates in this country are doing, 
uh, within the framework of environment, social governance issues and people issues, I would imagine that many of them are internal to the company. So they might have, like Standard Bank in Rosebank, a building which is built in an environmentally energy-conserving way. There's a move towards doing things that actually do not really negatively impact on the normal operation of the business and do not extend outside of the immediate domain of the business. Talk about people issues, gender issues, and all those sorts of things. It's quite easy to incorporate those within your human resource policies Within and, and to then be able to tick the boxes on do you subscribe to these principles of non-discrimination and assisting uh, disabled people and disadvantaged people, etc., BEE, uh, uh, affirmative action, etc., people go through the motions. The question is really do you how far beyond that do you go, bearing in mind that the overriding concern is to survive and remain in business and maintain the investment of the people who've invested their hard-earned cash into your company in a very difficult economic environment. And and I'm saying to you, I'm wondering how realistic it is, you know, and what realistically, how f- much further can you realistically ask a board of directors, a, le- a CEO, a leader in today's world to go outside of the company to contribute, let's say, for example, the Minister of Finance two, three weeks ago put out his draft economic strategy. And, you know, he called for comment until the 15th of September. Typically, the kind of responses to those sort of strategy documents are very, very limited. To organized institutions, a few economists might have given input. Even Kasatu on the labor side has, has given a very, I saw some articles in the press. People aren't extending to the, 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 the broader domain where the real game is taking place in the economic and the political sphere where big decisions are taken, which would affect, for example, whether we carry on using coal as our main source of energy in this country. You might have some kind of sustainable um, heating and air conditioning system in your comp- company, but if you then, your factory is using coal-based energy, you know, how do you get, be, how do you expect companies to go and get involved in those decisions? What is the kind of, how do you egg them on? I don't know what your thoughts are. How, you, you seem to have experience of real boards. So my uh, my experience is slightly different, actually, my, um, and um, yeah. I, I think it's beyond. Look, you'll always have outliers. Mm-hmm. You'll always have, you know, within within a universe of companies, you'll always have those that uh, are not committed, um, you know, to to the cause um, that that comes with the territory. But I mean, I've seen that, um, you know, I think. The whole world, by a few uh, places, are taking the integration of social issues, environmental issues, into the heart of their operations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can give live examples. Yep. Uh, my my first employer, Procter and Gamble, um, actually now recycles even diapers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and 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 it's not a side issue. It's not something that is happening out in. In your corporate affairs domain or PR domains and whatever, it's, hard, it's at the heart of the operations. I think, 
from what I can see, I mean, I think there's a realization that if you don't do anything, um, you know, if you don't do anything, you've got uh, a finite set of resources, um, and it's just a matter of time before you use them up. Um, so from I think from an environmental point of view, yes, you still have those that don't comply, but <laughs> there's all sorts of um, interventions that are coming into play that will make it very difficult for people not to comply. I mean, carbon credits, credit, as an example. So if you to maybe disaggregate the the, the issue, um, you know, I think on the environment you sort of see that you know things are moving in 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 in, in the right direction. Are we there? No, not yet, but you know. And if you take a very simple thing. Um, unemployment. Again, it's not a side issue. All the, the businesses have to secure um, labor from the communities where people are not employed. So you're going to have to train them up and give them the skills so that they can then have employment and have an income and use that income to be able to buy your goods and services. So it's, it's a real issue. Um, Again, there's, there's some bit of movement in that area. Um, if you're looking at, um, you know, youth unemployment uh, with the YES program, is it there? Is it solving all the problems? The answer is not. No. Um, can we have other interventions? Yes. Absolutely. But here's something that 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 um, I want to piggyback on what you just said, Dr. Marimi, is the fact that um, I hear I hear where Eric comes from. And his view is quite classical in the same that, you know, it's more bottom line driven. Mm. And unfortunately, that kind of narrative, um, in no longer hold grounds. Um, and he might call it utopian, but that narrative never, that doesn't hold ground, uh, for sustainability of every single company has to recognize the fact that you're not an island. Sure. You, you can't you can't be successful amidst you know sea of poverty around you mm-hmm. for simple reason um, because it's, it's simply not sustainable. So so here's the crux of the matter from a from from I don't know ethical point of view or from a sustainability point of view. Mm-hmm. What is it? The question should be: What is it that we ought to be doing differently as business community, not only to enhance the bottom line, but to address? The scourge of unemployment, for it is not sustainable. You know, the shareholders, from where I'm sitting, and those that I've I've had in conversation with, are quite cognizant of the fact that um, they ought to do more, or they ought to do things differently, to try and stimulate the economy to a point where we address, you know, uh, Inherent, inherent limitation or inherent consequences of Arab Spring, if, if I may put it differently. You see, uh, KP and Nimrod, uh, my, my perception is that, you know, in the annual reports and in the internal strategy documents, you will hear all the lip service in the world played to all those principles of sustainability. Nobody can afford to contradict them because otherwise the media would be all over them and, and the regulators would be all over them. The kind of compliance that they would tend to, to, to be able to, to show would be stuff that's easy to do, that doesn't affect the fundamental core operations beyond, you know, in, in terms of cost and profitability, fundamentally across the board in terms of the actual survival and return on investment of the, of the company, 
as it is in terms of its shareholders because they would just not be able to operate. Now, I'm, believe me, in 2002, I, I, I had a, a side event at the World Summit for Sustainable Development. So I kind of was part of writing the book on all of this in the beginning, okay? And it's not that I've turned cynical. I'm just trying to say that in the world that we face with this dramatic, you know, low growth that we have, this volatility and this high unemployment rate and all the symptoms that we have, I, I failed to see many businesses coming together to make a real fundamental impact. You have initiatives like the YES program. You had uh, uh, Tashmir coming along a couple of weeks ago here, and companies can get involved in that, and they've created maybe 20,000 jobs. You've got between six and a half and, and nine million unemployment people in this country that you it depends how you define it and an economy that is not really performing so and and companies have to survive just to survive is an achievement today within this environment they have to go beyond and operate within that environment not to restructure Talk about restructuring not only public enterprises but private businesses. What do they do to survive? They cut out, they, inter, they, they combine entities, they restructure and they retrench. So, you know, how, so I'm asking the tough question about how you do that within a tough environment to the big issues, the small issues, the principles I'm not arguing with. I'm talking about to get involved as a partner with government in terms of saying, how do we grow this economy? What are national initiatives that can improve the education system, improve the health system? I think we've we've mentioned a couple of times that there are some fantastic CEOs in this country, the, the so-called top 90 CEOs, the CEO initiative, which mm-hmm. came in the health sector. Mm. Instead of throwing all their toys out of the cot, you've got the CEO of Discovery, the CEO of Netcare, the CEO, I even believe, Afri Focus this week released their results, and they said they're going to help work out how the health system in this country, the public health system, can be improved at the coalface of the hospitals where the medicines run short and where professionals are not doing a proper job and admin staff and the cleanliness and the facilities and the core. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's that's where uh, 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 changing your energy mix. What is the alternative to the ESCOM power that's 95 or more percent coal-based? What is the alternative? How do you move to sustainable energy at a higher cost? How do you do that? Let, but, let but, me chip in. Yeah. Let, but before you chip in, yeah. here's something that I, I want to, to, to throw back at, at, at Eric. Mm. Yeah. Because ultimately, the show is all about solutions. Yeah. Yes. The show is no longer about all the kinds of problems we have in the world. Yeah. Because yes. there's no value add to, sure. to a listener. Right. Uh, we, we are currently speaking to the top executive at this point in time, yes. who wants to hear us providing solutions? Yes. Otherwise, if we don't provide a solution, there's yeah. no value add. Yeah. So, so let's get to a point yeah. where we provide concrete, uh, practical solutions on the same issues that you have addressed. Yeah. Um, yes. um, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid you're going to have to respond to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. But, but Muremi, come, yeah, come in. No, let, let me chip in. I mean, I'll give you concrete solutions. But before I give you concrete solutions, I just want to read out this. Uh, it's an excerpt from. A, a letter written by Larry Fink. Larry Fink is the CEO of BlackRock. BlackRock is the biggest asset management company in the whole world. 
um, and he wrote this in uh, early this year. And he says, amongst other things, purpose is not the sole pursuit of profits, but the animating force for achieving them. Profits are in no way inconsistent with purpose. In fact, profits and purpose are in, intricately linked. This is the most capitalist of capitalists you can, you can ever think of. Right. Yeah, in the whole world. Okay. So when it comes from Larry Fink, uh, in addition to the 181 CEOs that wrote the statement of purpose uh, about a month ago, it tells you that there's no turning back. Mm. We now have bent the bridge behind us, and we can't turn back. We're going forward. Mm. Now, let's talk about practical applications. Practical applications. I took my uh, my last bond to go do a community service as part of her um, uh, school work. I took her to Alexandra, and I sat there with I sat there outside, just basically observing uh, in a, a, a youth center out there. And it sort of struck me that uh, I think one of the things that in this country we can do it's literally to make community service a must. It doesn't matter who you are and uh, what level you're in. You have to at least be conscious and contribute something, not just on Mandela Day, but every day. You have to... I think allocate a certain number of hours or certain number of days in a year to doing something relating to improving the community in whatever form. If you decide that your area of interest is healthcare, people have written all over about how our healthcare system is in shambles. If that's your passion, commit yourself to doing community service in that area. If you're saying that, um, you know, within the uh, safety and security environment that the police can even take a statement, go and help there. Dedicate a certain number of hours to go and help there. If you're saying that there's all sorts of, um, you know, traffic infringements and whatever, and, um, you know, it sort of pains you, again, um, dedicate a certain number of hours. But all of these things need to be are sort of co- coordinated at a central level. Otherwise, you know, the the, the efforts become quite, um, you know, uh, fragmented and disjointed. So it needs to be coordinated. Now, where does the coordination come in? That's where I suspect that you want, um, you know, at a start, I mean, you cascade this thing. You start at the top level with the likes of your netlack. And you cascade it to sort of a, I, 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 I don't know how net like a structured, but I would assume that, you know, at a provincial level, you've got something, or if it's not there, you can sort of replicate it, you know, and at a, a, a sort of, um, you know, I think district level and a municipal level. Uh, I mean, I think that's how you, you, you basically bring about, um, you know, some kind of change. Thank you. Uh, you know me, Nimrod. I'm a solution thinker. And, and I've got friends in, in the community that kind of say, Eric, you know, your conversation has to get real. And, and, and it's talking to people who are very worried and who are involved in business. And I'm, and I'm going to give, uh, offer some solutions here. I'm certainly not going to duck this whole thing. That's not in my nature. So. As an outcome of the discussions we've been having the last few weeks, I'm pleased to say I've got a meeting, two very interesting meetings on Thursday. A direct outcome of these conversations, one is with Bussi, the head of uh, BLSA, 
and and we're going to be talking about how business. She wanted to know how business can help government in the big issues, running the economy, getting rid of corruption, creating more policy certainty, resolving some of the political faction fighting that is happening, the state-owned companies, and getting involved and lending, not only lending, but putting shoulder to the wheel with the vast array of expertise that business has at its disposal to help turn around some of the mega issues which are affecting the performance of the economy. And she asked me to, to, to have a conversation with her how she can do that. She represents all the big companies in this country. What I'm going to tell her on Thursday, and as a starting point of the conversation, let's mobilize the membership of every top company in this country, all the listed companies on the stock exchange. Let them get involved and let's invite the, 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 the Minister of Finance, the Minister of Trade and Industry, the major economic industries around the table to have a concrete plan of action how business and government can work together in turning this country around on all the issues, not just your own small pet projects that you want to do and put in your annual report. That's not going to cut it. So that's the one thing that I'm offering and I'm saying companies should start to think and we should start to think of initiatives where people can get involved to make a difference which will affect their bottom line because they're going to impact on the big picture. The second one is as a result of making contact with uh, the chairman of uh, the chairman's office of ESCOM. Also from the discussions that we had with Bussy and Siswe and uh, the last few weeks. I'm talking to Freeman Nomvalo, also meeting him on Thursday who's the chief restructuring officer of ESCOM. And he also happens to be the CEO of the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, which is one of the major professional organizations in this country. And all his colleagues would be engineering, uh, 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 quantity surveying, architecture, construction, every industry association in this country. So I want to have a conversation with him as to what type of mobilization of business private sector expertise can be brought to bear in terms of making sure that initiatives are implemented, in his case, when it comes to ESCOM. He himself, there's an article in this morning's Business Day which says, you know, it's a joke. He's not, he hasn't got the skills. I don't think that the, the Minister of Finance or, or, or Cyril appointed him Chief Restructuring Officer because he knows all the answers. He's a guy that is a figurehead who represents all the professions in this country. So that's my solution. I'm saying businesses must be, you know, incentivized to get involved and work together with government that has the main responsibility for all these issues. That's my suggestion in terms of solutions. I don't know what you guys think if I'm talking the same language. Look, I mean, I welcome a practical uh, thought process around what is it that ought to be done. And that, that yes. much I welcome. But here's sure. something that, that, that I find um, almost uh, disturbing. Yes. In all the conversation that we've had, we have a statutory body or a body that has been established by government, which is called Human Resource Development Council, which ought to drive the broader strategy of of of, of the country around human resources. You mean the HSRC? Yeah. 
I, I worked there. It was my first job. That's not the. That, that's not what they do. No, 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 no. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. When there's there's a paper, you know, when you look at the report, the 2018 summit report. Yes. Around what the country ought to be achieving mm. as part of the government mandate. Mm. There's a conference that is forthcoming in 2020 around the, 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 the fourth industrial uh, revolution or 21st skills, mm. you know. So these, these are supposedly apex entities of government that ought to be driving, mm. you know, the, 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 the trajectory of of government or the trajectory of the of the country mm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. So these conversations, what I'm trying to say to you, Eric, it is well and good to have this conversation yeah. with with, with Busi and so on and so forth. Right. Well, I welcome that because mm. something that will happen. But I'm I'm sensing a, dis, a a a disjuncture. I'm sensing a fragmentation because when you have a, an entity which has that kind of responsibility, whether they will whether they they are able to live up to the expectation. It's another question, mm-hmm. but they were they were they were created for a purpose. Mm-hmm. In your conversation, mm-hmm. that's what I'm. This is my in your conversation. Do reflect on what potential role they ought to be playing, or they supposed to be playing in driving those kinds of because the the deputy president of the country sits and chairs that entity. Surely it can't be Mickey Mouse. You know what, what what I'm going to say, just take skills development as a little example, okay? Um, You've had some fantastic uh, uh, private sector-driven conferences and exhibitions that happen all the time. You had LeaderX last week. Now, my son, who's also in the training and skills development field, and he went there, he he talked, and there was apparently an, an absolute, you know, a treat of private sector training companies that are involved in the skills development and education space. Very successful. Even the private sector, education sector, Advitech, Kuro, listed companies. Now, I'm saying the conversation can get together. It's not just the private sector that can do its own thing, but take those kind of initiatives, sit together with the government entities that are not functioning the way they should be. Okay, like the Human Science Research Council, which is my first job, and they don't deal with it. NEDLAC, I've done projects for NEDLAC. NEDLAC have a bargaining session between business, labor, and government. They don't actually come up with solutions. So that is part of what I want to put into the pot as conversations for people to make real contributions, not just, you know, subscribe to the philosophy that's that's what's all I've been trying to say today. People should think out there what they can do to make a difference that will really be significant. I agree with you when you're saying we need to go beyond subscription. We need to go beyond philosophical subscription. That much I take. Yeah. But but that's where it starts. You know, the assumption that you're making, Eric, is the fact that we are in unison, we are in unison from yeah. the very same philosophical framework that you make reference to. Mm. The reality is. Majority of us, majority of business are not in sync at the very same philosophical framework. Mm. The framework is different. So therefore it can be, it can be that we assume that, 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 you know, this is just a tick box approach. This, it, we, we really need to be in sync. We need to understand. 
That's, that what you, is it that we have been designed to make uh, to, to promote? And I'm telling you my answer to that. that uh, you, you're asking the questions now. I'm going to give you the answer. Yeah. I'm saying when you show business that their very survival actually does depend on getting involved, that's when you'll get them in. When you can show, do this, and you get a return on investment. That's the language that business understands, and that's how we move the conversation forward. So, uh, look, I mean, that's I, my take. Yeah, look, I mean, a uh, uh, great contribution, Eric. I, I mean, I don't deal with big companies. I deal with the small companies, uh, the lower mid market companies. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, most of the guys, the owners, uh, and I talk one on one with the owners, um, they want to do good. They just need to be directed. And this stuff has to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. And I can give you countless examples where people in their own small ways. My point exactly, my point exactly, yeah. you know, because the entities such as Human Resource Development Council, yeah. that is what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, the biggest issue is not so much about what is the coordination because every single entity out there is actually conscious yeah. of unemployment, yeah. conscious of mm-hmm. inequality. Yeah. Conscious of all the the ills that that you know, but unfortunately because we don't have a driver, we don't have a coherent, coher- sorry, cohesive. Coher- coherent yeah, yeah. or cohesive approach mm-hmm. that gives confidence in all these sure. bits and pieces. Correct. Yeah. And everybody rather do their own bits and pieces. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's what you need. You exactly. need that coherent. Unifying a force, and that's why organized business. So, so, so we agree now. It's about yeah. leadership, therefore. Yeah, exactly. Yes, agreed. Not no, no, we're talking leadership yeah, issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if I chip in, mm. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I was excited when the president stood up in parliament and uh, quoted Huma Sekela's song to Mamina. Yeah, perfect. you know, I thought that that was going to be this uh, the rallying call. Yeah, to basically mobilize everybody, but somehow that to Mamina things seems to have fizzled out. Um, you know, or it hasn't cascaded down the way it should have. Uh, so my suspicion is that, and I still go back to the same thing, community, community service. You know, today the shareholder activism, what stops everybody to turn that little shareholder activism into citizen activism? That cuts across. It doesn't matter whether you're a big business, whether you're a small company, whether you're an NGO. And let's also not forget that the JSE-listed companies are only a certain number. I mean, mm-hmm. when you talk about the top 40, the top 40. But the small businesses, how many are they? How many guys do, you know, hair? How many guys sell fish and chips and whatever? Those are a lot of guys. But also the NGOs, these are people who every day are dealing with all sorts of issues. So when we mobilize, let's just not mobilize the guys at the JSE. Mm-hmm. Let's mobilize everybody. Well, you're parting short, Eric, on this very heated debate. Uh, uh, agreed. Uh, I think we're all uh, saying the same thing, and we need to we need to do it. My only contribution to this evening is it's got to be real, and and that people have a real stake in getting involved at every level, and they've got to be motivated to do that. I think organised business organisations and industry organisations can play a major role. That's why I'm having my discussions with these various entities. Uh, and, and I think we can bring them in on board in terms of this program, more more of them, in, in fact, to see what they're doing and what they can still do to mobilize their membership. Well, thank you very much. Unfortunately, we don't have much time. I think my part in short, 
to my guest. Thank you very much coming to, you, for Norma. coming through. It has always, it's always a pleasure to have this kind of heated debate. Mm-hmm. But as as I finalize, I think it's important to go beyond the top forty. Yes. To go beyond yeah, sure. the known figures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I think that's why we're missing the mark because small businesses yeah. in this country are a solution or are the solution to unemployment. And whatever social is there are there. And we're missing the opportunity to create that wave that create those kinds of opportunities. Until we have a narrative or a conversation that focus on those small businesses, our, our, our solutions are likely to be more sustainable. That's, that's, that's my partition on the issue. Well, until we meet again, it has been an absolute pleasure.